Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in that same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Blessed is the word of the Lord. Hey, thank you, Bruce. We are in our second week of our brand new series entitled Evangelism Without Additives. What if sharing your faith simply meant being yourself? And uh, our series is based on this book by the same title. Uh, The author's name uh, is Jim Henderson. And this book is available for your purchase. It's uh, out in the lobby Uh, There's a table. Uh, Last week we sold out. Some of you were on a waiting list. Well, we have more books now. And so I would encourage you to read along uh, as we just go through this series. I know some of our home groups, our small groups are using this book as a point of discussion. Um, It is just a wonderful book uh, encouraging us to live fully into the people that God created us to be. Now, you might recall... Last week, we began by establishing two very important things and, and really was reinforcing them with Brooke this morning in the Mystery Box lesson. Uh, the, first, the first thing is that uh, you and I have been created by God. And you might recall I referred to David's Psalm, Psalm 139 last week, in which it says that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And our value as unique creations of God is not something that is external. Our value is internal, okay? It's intrinsic that every single one of us here are priceless by virtue of being created by God, created in His image. And so the good news is that God created us and He created us for Himself to be in relationship. And that's made possible Uh, by the work of Jesus Christ who brings us back into the right relationship with God 
who died on the cross. His, his blood cleanses us from our sin, which was a barrier between us and God. And because of His great love demonstrated on the cross, He has made a way for us to be in the relationship that God intended us to be in from the very beginning, okay? The beginning of creation. And so that's good news. But not only are we created by God, the second thing we established last week is that we are created for God and for His purposes. You might recall, I referred to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, right? Which says that God created good works beforehand. He prepared them that we might walk in them. So, not only did He create us intentionally, but He created us for a purpose. And He created good works along with us beforehand that we might live into and walk into those good works and really discover the fullness of what it means to live with God and to walk with Christ. Now, that's true of us individually, and that's true of us corporately, okay? And part of that, I believe, uh, is the good work that God gives all of us as followers of Jesus. And that is this, that we get to proclaim to all people in all places the rule and reign of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We get to proclaim the kingdom of God. And when Jesus called his followers, he invited them into life in the kingdom, okay? Life in the kingdom. And I, I think so, my, so often how when we present the gospel, we say, you know, you need to invite Jesus into your heart and life. Well, yes, but as we look in the scripture, if we were to reframe that uh, in a way I think that is really uh, more biblical, it says, Jesus invites us into His life. And it's when we enter into His life that we find the ultimate purpose and meaning of our lives. Okay? And uh, sharing our faith. Sharing our faith is an important aspect of what God created us for. Uh, I once had a a pastor who said, uh, told uh, the audience, he said, uh, there's one thing that you can't do uh, uh, that you can't do in heaven that you get to do now. And uh, that is you get to invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's something? Think about that. And so all of us are called to be a part of that work. But here's the good news. That you don't have to be someone that you're not. Um, you don't have to be me. You don't have to be uh, somebody that you look up to that you think, wow, that's a person who's really gifted and, and, and they're able to, to share the gospel and people just seem to respond. Not everyone has the gift of evangelism. But every single one of us is called to be a part of the work of evangelism. You see the difference? Now, in our book today, in our next chapter that we're looking at, um, in chapter 2, it's entitled, People, People Formerly Known as Lost. People Formerly Known as Lost. And what this chapter is really about is how we view people and the labels that we place on them and, um, 
the words we use to describe them impact not only how we think about them, but more importantly, how we feel about them. Okay? And in this book, he's going to make a distinction uh, between looking at people who don't know Jesus yet um, as lost or missing. Do we look at them as lost or do we look at them as missing? And what he argues in his book, and what I would contend, um, I think it's true. That how we choose to look, and, and whether we choose to look at people who don't know Jesus, yes, either as lost or missing, has a strong impact on, on how we engage them or whether or not we choose to enter into their world for the sake of nudging them towards Jesus. Does that make sense? Um, it's funny, I, I've been looking back over, um, man, three and a half decades um, as a pastor. It's like, wow, how'd that happen, right? And as I look back over it and I think about all the things I've had the privilege of being involved in, all the things I've ever done, there's one thing that I look at, one incident, and I would say of all the things I've ever had the privilege or God has ever given me the opportunity to do, this is the single most significant thing I've ever done. I'm going to share that with you. Okay, if I get a little emotional, you have to forgive me because it still is very impactful as I think about it. Lori and I were newly married. Well, not married that long. Probably three or four years, yeah. And uh, we were in an apartment. Uh, we lived in an apartment, a downstairs apartment in our, in our town in Southern California. And uh, I had gone back to school and was serving part-time at church as a junior high director and also doing work in the prisons as a chaplain at that time. And there was a family that lived above us. The family was a single mom, and she had a teenage daughter and an almost junior high age son. Okay? And uh, to our knowledge, this family, uh, they didn't know the Lord. They, they didn't have a relationship uh, with Christ. And as you know, a lot of single parent homes, there's a lot of difficulty and there's a lot of stress. And that stress leaks out in a lot of ways. And it wasn't uh, too infrequently that uh, we would hear arguments, door slamming, uh, yelling and screaming, uh, single mom just at her wits end, doing the best she could, but just really struggling to hold it together with her two children, okay? And one Saturday morning, it was a warm Saturday morning, we had our um, sliding glass door open and the screen. The, the argument started as it did frequently. And then the windows were open and we heard this, okay? We heard these words. I'm not going to pay for another abortion. Shortly after that, we heard the door slam and there was quiet. And the next day, um, the mom shared with us uh, that her pregnant 15-year-old daughter had run away from home and she didn't know where she was. Now, Lori and I, at that moment, 
had a choice to make. Now, we didn't recognize it in the way I'm going to frame it this morning, but I think it's a choice that every single one of us has to make when we think about the people around us who don't know the Lord. Okay? How we're going to look at them, how we're going to frame them, how we think about them, and ultimately how we feel about them. Okay? And the choice is this. Were we going to listen to all that, be aware of all that, hear mom tell us that, and say, mm, okay, okay, God bless. And then amongst the two of us say, man, they are so lost. Look at them. Their life's a mess. They're just lost. Right? Now as I say that, how does that impact or influence the way you think or I think? As I say that, how does that impact the way you would think or feel towards that family and towards that girl? They're just lost. That's what lost people do. Their lives are messed up, right? Is there some judgment there maybe? Some labeling maybe? Some stereotyping maybe? They're just lost. Or are our hearts going to break? And are we going to recognize that it's not a coincidence that God place them above us and that we live in close proximity? Are we going to recognize that Jesus is calling us to have his heart for people in the world? And rather than saying, well, they're just lost, that's what lost people do. Are our hearts going to break? And are we going to really feel like, no, they're not lost. They're missing. God loves them. God cares deeply for them. And Jesus, the Good Shepherd, came for them to draw them back, to find them and bring them back into His flock. And, and you know what? He calls us to be under-shepherds with Him. No, they're not lost. They're missing. Missing implies something different, doesn't it? You miss things that are valuable to you. You miss things that are important. You miss things and people that you love. You love. Okay? Sometimes just saying they're lost gives us an excuse not to love and care because they're lost. Well, um, I was deeply moved. Lori was deeply moved. And that whole week, whenever I had a spare moment, I drove around town. I went out into places where I knew kids hung out, and I went looking for her. She didn't go to our church. She didn't express interest in the church. It didn't really matter. I missed her, and I was concerned about her. And so what happens? Um, one afternoon, I'm, I'm at home downstairs, and I hear some noise upstairs. And I know mom's at work, and I know brother's at, at school. So it can only be one person. It was her. And she'd come back to gather clothing, right, to get the rest of her stuff. And I went upstairs, 
And I knocked on the door and she answered. And I said, oh, Kimmy, I'm so glad to see you. You must be, like, really scared, aren't you? And she shook her head. Man, you, you, you must be really hungry, huh? Can I, can I take you and get you something to eat? And she said, yeah, I'd like that. See, she'd been living up in the mountains in a campground with her boyfriend. They had no money. So I took her to lunch and began to talk with her. And then we began to talk about her pregnancy. And I said, Kimmy, what are you going to do? What are you, you going to do? She goes, I don't know. And I said, can I share with you some, some options? Can I share with you some, some things for you to think about? And she said, yeah. And, and so I talked to her. And I shared with her that um, uh, terminating her pregnancy wasn't the only option she had. That the option that had been chosen before was not the option that she needed to choose a second time. And I talked about different things she could do. And the first thing I did said, would you go with me to meet some ladies that will share some things with you? And I took her to the local um, crisis pregnancy center. She went. And she listened. And then I said, will you come home and see your mom? And are you willing to come home? Why you guys figure out what you're going to do? And she said, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Then there was a woman in the church who was a counselor, and I invited her to come. And that evening, everyone met, and they kind of worked it out. Well, the next day, I took her to a place in Los Angeles called St. Anne's. It was a home for pregnant young women where they could go to school, they could be cared for, they could get counseling, they could be reunited with family if it was necessary. All the while, they're going full-term and they're going to have their their baby. And that's where Kimmy went. And I remember she looked at me and said, well, they say I have to have a birth coach. Would you be my coach? (laughs) I mean, mean, really? (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And I said, well, Kimmy, um, let's talk about that later. (laughs) Okay, and uh, the bottom line is, um, through counseling, she and her mother were reunited, and um, she had her baby. She was able to get her GED, and then she went and uh, went to dental assisting school and got a career and was at home with her mom and her brother, working and raising her daughter. Daughter's name was Crystal. Okay. I think about that, and I think how there is now like a 30-year-old woman. Her name is Crystal. Because we chose not to turn our back and say they're just lost but instead to have the heart of Jesus and say, no, they're missing. God misses them. And I miss them too. I want to be a part 
of God's plan of nudging them closer to Jesus. Okay? That's the story. Isn't that a great story? Man, that's good. Um, there are just so many negative ways the word loss can affect my outlook on people. Here's just three of them. Lost is final. They're just lost. Lost means defeat. Not only are they lost, but look how they're living. There's no hope. And finally, lost means all hope is gone. Now, in our passage this morning, in Luke chapter 15, in 15.4, Jesus, teaching this parable, says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. You see that? Where is the responsibility placed by Jesus? On the sheep who's wandered off or on the shepherd who misses one of his sheep? You see where Jesus puts the responsibility? Suppose one of you has a sheep and loses one of them. All right? Well, the sheep is lost, yes. But where's the responsibility? on the one who notices that the sheep is missing. And because the sheep has value, and because they care, what does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd goes out, leaves the 99, and goes out and brings back the one. So do we have that heart of Jesus that says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, or... The bottom line is really more what reflects my heart if I'm not careful. Because it's very easy for me to look at the people around me and the places where God has me and just say, oh, they're lost. What do you expect? That's what lost people do. Right? And the second phrase really represents that. If we're honest, some of us would write that parable this way. Suppose one of the sheep wandered off and got lost. Whose fault is it? It's the sheep's. Right? It's the lamb. I'll blame the lamb. It's its fault. It's lost. So do I want to have the heart of a shepherd who misses one, or do I just want to have the heart that says, uh... It got lost. It's just a dumb sheep. Right? Matthew 9.36 When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like what? Sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. That word there means that there was a, 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 just a compassion that is at the, 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 the center of the gut and his being. It was this wrenching, stirring, disruptive compassion for them. Because they just weren't lost. 
They were missing. And he cared about them. Pastor Brian McLaren says it this way. Missing people aren't bad. They're just not where they're supposed to be. And here's the good news. That we get to be a part of nudging them closer to Jesus. Of helping them get to where they're supposed to be. Okay? Jesus in Matthew 9.37 says this. He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Okay? And then He says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers where? Out into the fields that are ready. Here's the good news. God is sending you and me. He's sending us to our families. That's our biological network. To our friends. That's our social network. To our co-workers. That's our vocational network. And to our neighbors. That's our geographical network. And He's sending us there just to be the people God created us to be and in the context of who we are. How we live our lives. And the opportunity He gives us to speak into other people's lives to nudge them closer to Jesus. That's what He's calling for all of us. All right. Several years later, long after Lori and I had left that community and we'd moved to Northern California, we had come home to visit family and friends. And the mom of the girl that we helped worked at a local grocery store. And so I wanted just to check in and say hi. And I wanted just to find out how everyone was doing. So sure enough, I went to the grocery store. There she was at her check stand. I I grabbed a Gatorade. It was in the summer. It was hot. And I got in line. I just waited. And when it came my turn, I looked at her and I said, Hey, Linda, how are you? It's good to see you. And on the little wall, the divider between her check stand and the next check stand was a picture of her granddaughter, Crystal. She points to the picture and she begins to literally speak in a very loud voice. That's your baby, Todd! That's your baby! (laughs) Oh, Linda, Linda, Linda. (laughs) Okay. And, And you know what? The Lord has a lot. There's a lot of children that are missing. And He's given you and me the opportunity to be a part of their story. That in a spiritual sense, 
They are our babies. They are our children. And God has called us to be a part of their lives. Lost or missing? How are we going to see people around us that don't know Jesus yet? Let's pray. So worship team comes forward. Father, we thank you this morning for the parable, Lord. The parable that reminds us that we bear responsibility for things that are lost. And that because we love and care about them, that we see them as missing. And that we get to be a part, Father, of your work of nudging people closer and closer to Jesus Christ. Lord, would you open our eyes to see and our hearts to feel what you see and feel. Help us to take a risk which really isn't a risk at all. Lord, it's engagement in the world to do good works, to be a part of your work in people's lives that you created beforehand that we might walk in them. Father, there are a lot of Kimmies out there. They don't need our condemnation. They don't need our judgment. They don't need us to tell them they're lost. Father, give us Jesus' heart to see they're missing, to have compassion, and to be a part of your grand plan of redemption and restoration in which we get to nudge people closer to Jesus just by being who we are. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.